Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Saturday night as I'm recording this one uh, pretty late after uh, the Nuggets uh, get on a second night of a back-to-back, are clearly dragging, are clearly tired, and just exhausted, getting into... into 4.30, 5.30 when they actually get to bed when they go to Minnesota. And my God, it is just incredible how fun a regular season win can be. Especially one where it, 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 you don't really have a whole bunch of bearing on the season, on what this Nuggets team is going to look like going forward. It's just about grinding out regular season wins. But this was a really good example of that. This was a really good example of people caring, of the Nuggets caring, of them showing up and understanding just how important every single game is. That no matter if things are going your way or not going your way, that you can turn things around if given the right amount of energy, effort, and if you're giving the opportunity to yourself and if the other team is giving an opportunity to you. Uh, the Nuggets, they won this game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Final score, 93-91. to And Minnesota gave Denver the opportunity. They gave them a shot. Allowed them free reign to get back into this one. Where Minnesota just bricked shot after shot. Not necessarily threes, but when they were going to the rim, they didn't make those shots. They turned the ball over 20 times. They fouled 23 times, put Denver in the bonus on several occasions when Denver couldn't get to the free free throw line anyway. And Denver was able to squeak it out. Just another example of how really good defense can save you in these cases. This is a really good Michael Malone game where he... He's always wanted this top five level defense. He always understands that the offense sometimes won't be there. But if your defense can show up every single night and do the things that it needs to do on a consistent basis, then you put yourself in every single game. This is a great example of that. Denver allows 44 points in the second half. They allowed 47 in the first. And Minnesota, they shoot 41 threes. They make 13 of them, which is just under 32%. They only get to the free throw line nine times. They grab 16 offensive rebounds, but shoot under 40% from the field. And like I said, turn the ball over 20 times, foul 23 times. You absolutely give the other team an opportunity to get back into this one. And boy, did the Nuggets take that and run. They are going home. They are flying out. And Carl Anthony Towns, my Lord, he has to be pissed because he came into this game 
with so much energy and aggression, so much desire to go right at the throat of Nikola Jokic. He wanted to prove that he was the young star, the young big man that people should be paying attention to. And he took this matchup very seriously, just being very physical with Jokic all up and down the court. And Jokic kind of looks at the ref, he kind of looks at Towns like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing here. As that's why we're doing this. And, and then he kind of looks at him like, okay, wait, why are you doing this? Like, why are you taking this so seriously? And it's very clear that Towns just does not like the situation that he's been put in versus the situation that Jokic has been put in, where Jokic has been given a lot of great resources, a great coach, a great front office, a great supporting cast. He's been credited for his success, really sort of passed up Carl Anthony Towns over the course of these last couple of years. And also, the, town, uh, the, the Timberwolves just have not won a game against the Nuggets. Is it really going back to game 82 in 2018? I think it might be. Denver's won 12 straight. 12 straight. That's insanity. Nikola Jokic was awesome in this game. 26 points, 19 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 steal, 3 blocks. Didn't shoot efficiently from the field. 10 of 23. Turned the ball over seven times, including twice in the last minute of the game, which, good God, that put the fear of God into you. Uh, if you're if you're a Nuggets fan, that just doesn't ever happen. And, and two live ball turnovers where Denver gives Minnesota the opportunity to go right down the floor and take the lead, or at least tie the game. And they came up empty both times. And Will Barton, who had had a really bad game up until that point, just wasn't good defensively, though it says that he had three steals and two blocks. Uh, the second block was very important. I couldn't tell you what the first block was. Uh, he had a really bad defensive game, and he said so post-game, that uh, despite the fact that he got the, the defensive player of the game uh, chain that they're giving out, he said uh, he probably didn't deserve it, but the, the last play was really good. And he was right. Like I was very happy that he was just candid with that because he wasn't very good. But when it came down to it, when the Nuggets needed their final play, it's no surprise that Will Barton was the one to step up. He's been the one to step up all season. When Jokic has needed a running mate on offense, he has been the guy. Now, Jokic needed a running mate defensively, needed somebody to bail him out one time. And Barton got it. It was awesome. It was really, really cool. And the fact that it came on Malik Beasley, where he goes to the rim, tries to shoot the game-winning layup while falling away, or game-tying layup, and Barton just swats it back basically into his face with the seconds running down, was hilarious for one. But just a really good sign for Denver, too, that they're finding ways to win by scrapping, by outscoring the opponents, but also by just being solid defensively, by taking that end of the floor really seriously. And for the second time in two days, the Nuggets won a game because of their defense. I was going to say defensive uh, whatever, but because of their defense. They were awesome. They were really, really good. 
And I think you got to start again with Aaron Gordon, who has really helped shut down some of the opposing team's best players and best wings over the course of uh, this year. Started with Luka Doncic last night. Tonight, it was Anthony Edwards. Uh, He got the assignment on Edwards pretty early and absolutely took advantage of it. Six of 19 for Anthony Edwards tonight. And a lot of those misses came with Gordon on him. A lot of those misses, uh, Towns had some misses when Gordon was on him. Vanderbilt had some misses when Gordon was on him. Uh, There were just a lot of players that did not operate well when Gordon was in the vicinity. And I think he's starting to get that defensive reputation, folks. Like it's, It's only been six games and a lot can change over the course of a season. But Aaron Gordon is having his best defensive year. Finished with two steals and two blocks tonight but was a plus 26 in 31 minutes. 12 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. 4 of 10 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, 4 of 4 from the line. At least you went 4 of 4 from the line. That's a, that's a big piece of this. But plus 26 in a 2-point win means that the Nuggets were minus 24 in the 17 minutes without him. A lot of those minutes coincided with the bench, but a lot of it was just the defense wasn't as potent. And you expect the offense to get a little bit better when Aaron Gordon comes off the floor because, let's face it, he's not the best offensive player. But the offense definitely didn't. And the defense got worse. And it's no surprise, in my opinion, that Gordon was that high. Because he was able to absolutely take it to Uh, The starting tandem for the Timberwolves, whether it was Edwards and then McDaniels and Vanderbilt, it was just really, really impressive what he was able to do. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Michael Porter Jr., who had 12 rebounds tonight, 10 rebounds in the first half, had one steal. Uh, The shot is just not going down, and it's getting to a point now where it's I think everybody's just looking around like, okay, is this what we have to expect now? Is this just what's going to happen? It's not what we should be expecting, but this is a a longer uh, drought than I was expecting. Uh, but it wasn't for lack of effort with him, especially on the defensive end of the floor, where he's rotating onto Towns uh, when he's out on the perimeter, making sure he doesn't get those open threes making sure the Towns kind of feels him and and isn't getting easy shots. But when Towns went to the post against him, when he tried to body him, Porter bodied back. Porter didn't really give much of an inch. It was really impressive. And then he had multiple rotations tonight where he's rotating on uh, early pick and rolls for the Timberwolves where uh, he has to jump onto Towns or he has to jump onto Nas Reed. Uh, maybe it's Jared Vanderbilt, but he's making a lot of good rotations, making a lot of great defensive plays. And it stands out that on a team with Jokic and Porter and Amate Morris and Jamal Murray, when he comes back, that defense was going to be the thing that people worried about the most with this Nuggets team. They haven't had to worry about it so far. The Nuggets are third in defensive rating. I have no idea how that happened. But here are the point totals that the Nuggets have allowed over the course of the start of their season. 
let me just find the tweet here that I that I crafted so expertly for everybody. Um, the Nuggets have allowed by game 98, 96, 99, 122, and that was on a second night of a back-to-back versus Utah with Jokic getting injured at halftime. 75 and 91. So five out of their six games have been under 100. That's incredible. And despite the fact that they have that large outlier against the Jazz, who are a really good offensive team, by the way, despite the fact that they have that outlier, they are still third in defensive rating because their other five out of six games have been really good defensively. This is not your Nuggets of old. This is a legitimately improved defensive group where everybody is connected, everybody is taking that end of the floor seriously, and though the offense has not been good, like and it really, really hasn't been good, uh, Jokic has done just enough, and I think that we're on the verge of seeing the bench get a little bit of a boost of energy. That bench, they're not a good defensive group yet, um, and they may never be. Like they, they clearly haven't been very good at much of anything, especially, but especially on the defensive end too. Faku is trying to do too much right now. He's uh, buzzing around everywhere and isn't really making an impact, in my opinion. He'll get into the grill of some people, but he's just trying to contest too much ground and isn't being solid. And that has hurt Denver, in my opinion. Austin Rivers and Will Barton, when he was rotated out there in the first half, uh, they were getting lost on screens a bunch, uh, getting mixed up on assignments. P.J. Dozier, he was good defensively, but, I mean, it, it was kind of yin and yang for him. He was unproductive on the offensive end. Jamichael Green was fine, nothing special. Jeff Green, he didn't play in the second half, uh, put up zeros across the board. Just not a great night for him. But then Bones came in, and he wasn't bad on the defensive end. He actually was pretty good. He was in the right place. Helped contribute to a good, positive defensive unit. And I'm about as surprised as everybody else. Or maybe some people aren't surprised. But to see a rookie come in and do that is really impressive. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back. We are going to discuss Bones Highland. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to the Bones Show, everybody. We have arrived as Bones Highland is going to be in the rotation going forward. I don't think that there's any doubt, and we have seen it enough from him and from people that are not him that the team just makes more sense when Bones Highland is on the floor. Let's look at the plus minus tonight. Like I mentioned, Aaron Gordon, plus 26, really, really good. Will Barton, plus 8, he was staggered with the bench. More on that later. Michael Porter, plus 10, he also spent a a stint staggered with the bench. So that makes sense. Nikola Jokic, Monte Morris, they basically had their minutes paired together, uh, plus 17 apiece. 
And then Jeff Green, in just six minutes, was a minus 15. Jamichael Green, in 11 minutes, was minus 15. Faku Campazzo, in 17 minutes, was a minus 24. Austin Rivers, 11 minutes, minus 9. P.J. Dozier, 14 minutes, minus 15. So that is your normal bench group. Those are the guys that you're, you're normally seeing out there, and Denver was initially going to run with that group, I think, uh, for the entire game. If they were going to be successful, then that's that's what would have happened. But in the six minutes that Jeff Green played, which are pretty representative of where the bench is at, he was minus 15. And the bench was really bad. They couldn't get stops. They couldn't get scores. And they needed an injection of life. And they got that from Bones Highland, who in 18 minutes, despite sharing the floor with a bunch of bench guys, was a plus 10. Let me read out the other plus minuses to you again. From all the bench guys, minus 15, minus 15, minus 24, minus 9, minus 15. And somehow, Bones Highland was a double-digit positive. He was great. And the stats don't fully show the story. Where he did have eight points, he did have three assists, had a steal and a block, three of seven from the field, two of five from three. It wasn't about that. It was how he played. It was how he connected with the unit. It was how they trusted him, how they appreciated what he brought out there, and how he played with confidence and immediately gave them a boost. And that's what you're supposed to do when you come off the bench. If the starters don't have it, if they're dragging a little bit, if the bench doesn't have it, you are supposed to give your team an injection of life where they can rally around you, rally around your success. You hype them up. You get everybody going. And it's no surprise that despite playing just 18 minutes and despite being a late addition to that rotation, He had eight points and three assists. And the entire rest of the bench combined had 14 points and three assists. That is insanity. The bench has been so bad, and the starters have been carrying things a lot. The the identity of that bench unit in the second quarter, as I put it, was let a starter carry us. Because that's what was really happening at that point, where Will Barton, he was having a really tough time offensively. I don't want to put it all on Will, uh, because he's not a savior. Don't ask him to be a savior, because that's just not what he should be doing. You have to have a conscious bench direction, some sort of ethos that runs through everything, where you know you have specific objectives, and it can't just be run a set, give it to Will Barton, and let him isolate. Because on games like last night against the Dallas Mavericks, he was great. He was awesome. You give him credit for that. And on games like tonight, where he has 10 points on 10 shots, and it looked like it was going to be way worse early. He also had four turnovers. On games like tonight, the bench is obviously going to look pretty bad. But it really is still the bench's fault. It's not necessarily Barton. 
He can't be asked to be the savior every time. That bench needs some structure. They need somebody who can give them life on a consistent basis, who can be the guy that they run things through. And if Barton is just one guy who's out there, it would be kind of nice to have two, you know what I mean? So I think we're trending towards that. I really do. I think that Bones is in line to play a bunch of time. And I think that the way he continues to approach these opportunities, where it doesn't always happen, doesn't always come, but when it does happen, and when he does receive an opportunity to play, he makes the most of it, plays the right way, isn't being taken advantage of defensively, and continues to go out there and give the team life, give the shooting, give the playmaking that he knows he can, that the entire team knows he can. At this point, it's just delaying the inevitable. And Mike Malone said as much. He said, it's becoming so obvious. We don't win that game without Bones Highland. And I believe the the quote that he said to uh, that TJ, or not TJ, uh, Brendan Bo had, he needs to play every night. We're reaching that point where he is going to be in the rotation on a consistent basis, and he's going to play the way that we know that he can, or maybe maybe he won't. Maybe, maybe he'll struggle. Like, let's be honest. He is a rookie. Asking him to do a whole bunch is tough. And Michael Malone knows that. It's why Michael Malone hasn't immediately put him into that position where if he fails early, then everybody's looking at him. Now, Denver's tried a lot of different things where they've tried the staggering. They've tried rotating out and doing, going uh, hockey subs where they go a five-man starting unit, five-man bench unit. They have given Faku Campazzo, Austin Rivers, P.J. Dozier plenty of time. And to this point, it really hasn't worked. So, my hope for this group is that Bones Highland is in the rotation on a consistent basis. Whether they go with Austin Rivers, whether they go with Faku Campazzo, whether they go with P.J. Dozier as the other guards around him, whatever. That's fine. I don't really care. But Bones has to be out there. He's proven that. He's been there Second, third, no, not second. Their third best guard so far this season. Where Barton has been great. Monte Morris has really come on and has really improved over the course of this time. But now you just need somebody else who can provide offense on a consistent basis. And Bones can do that. Faku can't. Rivers can't. Dozier can't. You also can't keep going with an 11-man rotation. That much I do know. That is going to be untenable real quick. Because those guys are going to be in a situation where they aren't going to get into the rhythm you need them to get into. And for those guys to develop together, they're going to need extended time. Not just time where... uh, Compazzo plays one stint here. Rivers plays one stint there. 
P.J. Dozier comes off the floor multiple times, goes back on the floor multiple times. It's really tough. It's really tough to get the staggering right. I think what Denver has to do, in all likelihood, is you play Bones at point guard. And you take out Compazzo. That could be hard for people to say. That could be hard for people to to appreciate. That see what Austin Rivers has done specifically and think, hey, what the hell? That guy's not doing much of anything. But I don't think Austin Rivers is the problem. I think that he's a he's a complementary option who needs somebody else to run the show. Bones Highland needs to run the show, which is insane to think about for a point guard. But he can handle the ball. You give him an opportunity. You play him next to Will Barton or Michael Porter at all times with that bench unit. And then give him some run with Nikola Jokic here there. But I think that we're reaching that point where Faku is probably the guy who needs to sit. Because he has just been really bad. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to discuss... Uh, We'll just go around the league a little bit. I think that's probably the right call. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in everybody if you're still here thank you so much really appreciate all the love and support uh this is my sixth show of the week i have been podcasting pretty consistently over the course of this time and there's just been a lot to talk about for this nuggets team and I've, i've really enjoyed what i've done so thank you so much um there's not a ton to talk about with this group i think uh, Denver gutted out the second night of a back-to-back. They won. It was ugly, but they did it. And the fact that they did it, I think, is a, a big character thing. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't think a lot needs to be said about this team. I think it's defense has really won the day. Bones needs to play. Jokic is the MVP. Uh, it's either him or Steph right now. Those are the only two that I would really accept six games into the season. Uh, But it's been great. And I've been really impressed with what the Nuggets have been able to accomplish uh, so far this year. The only win that really like, or the only game that really kind of stands out as, oh man, probably, probably should have that one back, is the Cleveland game, where you had multiple days off to prepare and just didn't really get anywhere. But I think that was a necessary game, honestly, along with the loss to Utah, to be able to get this team back on track, where they knew they had some issues, especially with the bench. Bones has played in each of the last two games. It's now up to 18 minutes in this last one, uh, and he looks really good. Definitely looks really good and has given this team an opportunity and a real jolt of energy. I've been really impressed with him, for sure. I think he's going to be out there consistently, and I'd, I'd honestly be flabbergasted if he wasn't uh but there's there's not a to really talk about i've 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 said all i need to say about michael porter uh his shot is a complete mess and that needs to be fixed eventually 
but while Denver is winning games, I'm not going to talk too much about it. Jokic is the MVP. That's all there really needs to be said. Okay, let's go around the league, though, and let's talk about the Nuggets kind of in the context of some of these other teams. Uh, Denver, currently, they are third in the West outright. Uh, Golden State, they are first. The Utah Jazz are second. I think if you're Denver, you feel pretty good about a game against Utah where you lost by 12 and you gave up 122, but Jokic went down and only played 15 minutes and was on his way to like roughly a bazillion points. So you don't necessarily feel that bad about them being ahead of you. Uh, Denver is in third. Dallas somehow is tied for fourth, along with several other teams. Sacramento, Portland, Minnesota. Uh, All four of those teams, not necessarily expected to be in the playoff picture initially. Uh, They are in it, to be clear. Dallas isn't a good team. And the fact that they are tied for fourth, I think says a lot about their competition other than Denver. Uh, Minnesota, I think they're better than what they showed tonight. Sacramento, Harrison Barnes has been playing well, but I'm it's eh. And then Portland, where they can only play in close games, basically. Or no, not in close games, in blowouts. It's been a blow one way or a blowout the other. And they've been good these last couple, so... It is what it is. Lakers are all the way down there at eighth, but they're three and three. Like it's nothing. Like there's no DEFCON uh, alerts there, other than uh, the fact that Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard were fighting in the second game, and and LeBron James is already missing games due to injury, though he did play in this last one, and they got a win. Uh, and they did lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder in a game where Russell Westbrook got teed up for talking about unwritten rules and whatnot. But they're fine. Memphis Grizzlies, I think they're pretty good. Uh, The Suns, they are at two and three, kind of below them just a little bit, but they got this last win. Uh, Phoenix is good. We know them. The Spurs are two and four. They're going to be really competitive with teams all year, but they don't have the top-end talent that you need. Uh, The Clippers are one and four. And I think it's kind of gone under the radar. Paul George is having an excellent start to the year. He had a bad game against uh, Cleveland, I'm pretty sure. But other than that, he has just been excellent throughout the year. And this last game that they played, he scored 42 points. A very efficient 42 points. And the team around him scored 92. Like total, including his 42. So the rest of the team had 50. That sounds impossible to me, and yet it happened, and yet they still managed that. Uh, So they do not have a good team, uh, at least not at the outset. And then Houston, OKC, and New Orleans without Zion are down in the dumps right now. They're 1-4, and 1-5, and 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 1-6 respectively. Uh, New Orleans, they suck. They are really not good. And OKC, they got a win against the Lakers, so good for them. But they've lost every game, and they are the worst team in the NBA by a significant margin. Um, Denver, they rank third defensively in the entire NBA. It really stands out what they've been able to accomplish on that end of the floor, uh, along with some of these other teams. Like, they're ranked up there with Utah 
They're ranked up there with Miami right now. Those are the three best teams in the NBA defensively, is Utah, Miami, and Denver. You know, Rudy Gobert, Bam Adebayo, Nikola Jokic, the three best rim protectors in the NBA, of course. Of course. I do expect some regression to happen for Denver on that end. Don't get me wrong. But it is nice to see Denver really invest themselves defensively to show that they can do it, to prove that they can do it. There are going to be teams that when they match up with them, when when Denver is in a situation where they're facing a, a guard-heavy team again, like Portland or like Phoenix or I don't know. Minnesota should have been this team too, but they, they just didn't have it tonight. Denver's probably going to struggle at times with teams that execute really well, teams that limit their mistakes. Uh, they haven't ran across those teams that often to start this year, though. And I think that's really helped them sort of elevate their defensive profile. Teams that make shots on them, especially outside shots, are going to give them fits. Uh, but I'm really, really curious to see how this team matches up with the Lakers. We don't get that matchup for a while. Lakers and Warriors, by the way, who are like they're they're at the top of the league, five and one. Uh, but Denver, they've proven that they are in the same category as all of the best teams in the league. A number of which have really struggled to start the year, like the Lakers, the Suns, the Clippers. Uh, the Bucks are three and three. The Nets are three and three. The Hawks are three and three. Boston, though, they're not really good. They're two and four. Uh, there is just a lot of great teams, I think, that have really struggled so far. And the fact that Denver, given the tough schedule that they had and still have to start the year, the fact that they banked this win is a really big deal. This is a schedule loss where you come in, you, you get to bed at 4.30, 5, 5.30 in the morning. You barely get any preparation for this game. You suck on offense for most of the time, but you just get enough scores and you get plenty of stops in order to get a win against a team in Minnesota that's a lot better than they have been in years past. This was a really big character win for Denver. And it says a lot about this group that once Jamal Murray comes back, there's no telling what they can do. I genuinely believe that. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Really appreciate it. We will see what happens with Bones Highland and with Denver's rotation. I really do think that Bones is in line for about 10, 15, 20 minutes a game from here on out. Uh, and if he gets that, and if Denver's bench rating goes up, that's going to be a great sign for Denver going forward. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon. Bye.